1: Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. While I was ministering in the Philippines a number of years ago, I was invited to have lunch with a pastor. During lunch, he asked if I would speak at his church, and I said I would be happy to. After a while, a friend who was with me asked the pastor how big his church was, and he replied, it's around 10,000 people. Well, I nearly choked on my lunch. The largest number of people I'd ever spoken to was less than 1,000 to that point. I could hardly sleep that night thinking about the big occasion that was looming. Actually, the occasion was very ordinary to say the least. In fact, I don't think I made any impact on those people that day. I often reflected upon that experience and have since come to the conclusion that I've had a better time and made more impact speaking to a smaller group. The incident brought home to me a very valuable truth about the kingdom of God. That is that God often works more deeply and profoundly in seemingly insignificant situations than he does through the big events. This is Set Free with Ken Legg.
0: And hello and welcome to the program. It's Phil here along with author and pastor Ken Legg. We're looking at miracles this week. It's an important point that Ken's just raised, and that is it's easy to fall into the trap of believing that the bigger we are or the greater resources that we have, the more God can use us. Ken?
1: Yeah, I'm amazed that we do think and operate that way, Phil, because we've got so many examples from the Bible that actually say the opposite. You know, take, for example, Gideon. Gideon was called by God to go against the enemies of Israel, Mm -hmm. the Midianites. They already outnumbered them. I think it was about four to one or something like that. And yet God said to Gideon to to shrink his army from, it was 120,000 down to Mm. (laughs) 10,000. Then the odds were really stacked against them. But God wanted him to even, you know, tailor it down even more, didn't he? And he brought it down to, was it 300 people? That's right. Now, what's the point there? Obviously, God is wanting to make this point. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. It's not what we can do for God. It's what he will do through us if we will yield ourselves to him. Here's another incident from the Bible. Um, Philip was sent to Samaria. He preached the gospel there, and hundreds and hundreds of people were coming to Christ. There was revival in that city. Mm. Many people were coming to the Lord. In the midst of that, God took him out and dropped him in the desert to preach the gospel to one man, an Ethiopian. Now, you would think, What's his priorities here? Mm. He's in the midst of the revival, and he's the man that's up the front there preaching to the people. You know, his priority is to stay here where God is moving, where this big thing is happening. The big event is taking place. But God took him down there to preach to one man. But that one man was a high-ranking official uh, from Ethiopia who ended up taking the gospel into that country and God often works in in you know like in the seemingly small and insignificant but we often look to the big event the
0: big occasion big resources and so on mm, i love that scripture that says that uh, god has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise the weak things of the world to put shame to shame the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised god has chosen it's just completely yeah. different to the way that we think isn't it <laughs> absolutely Now, I say we're looking at the subject of miracles this week, and especially some of the myths which we believe put limits on God. Yeah. Is this one of them? Yeah. The myth is that for something to be miraculous, it has to be spectacular. We've got to
1: get away from that. Now, Naaman expected to get zapped. This is what he said. He said, I thought that when I went to the prophet's house, he would come out and wave his hand over Mm -hmm. the spot. Maybe sprinkle some gold dust on me. (gasps) I go down under the power and so on. That's what he thought. But he didn't even come out of the house. You know, Elisha would not even come out of the house, told him to go to this river, wash seven times in the River Jordan, and and that's it. Now, why go and wash? Why the River Jordan? We've got better rivers in Syria. That's what he was thinking. It was a pretty mucky old river, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And and so it's the way that we often think, you know, is that God has to use the spectacular. So if we want to make a big impact, we'll we'll get a celebrity. Now this guy's a Christian, he's got a celebrity name. That'll draw people. That'll bring them into the kingdom of God. Mm. Or we'll get these resources. We'll get, you know, this kind of multi million dollar equipment or building, or uh, you know, we'll get the best of everything. We'll get all these resources and pour it in, then we'll make an impression. God doesn't work that way. Mm. It's not by our might, by our power, by our resources. As you just pointed out in that scripture, God takes the weak things for this very, very purpose that if we could pull it off, we would take the glory. Mm. But when he does do something through really weak,
0: insignificant people, we come to this conclusion, well, that's got to be God. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't me. Another good example is where Jesus called the kingdom of God like a mustard seed. I mean, that's the tiniest, tiniest little, you would say, insignificant seed. Absolutely. In fact, it was the the smallest seed known at
1: that time. And yet, look what came out of it, the great tree-like shrub that grew and how big and, you know, the branches were like fans just uh, spreading out, and the birds would come and nest in that. And he said that's how the kingdom of God is. It starts with small beginnings. Mm. God takes
0: small things but does great things. The Bible's chockers full of examples about uh, little things and doing great things through those little things. When I mean, Jesus fed the 5,000 with just five loaves and two fishes. There's plenty more.
1: Yeah. In fact, let's go back to our story about Naaman. You know, we, we see the big miracle happening of him getting cleansed of this incurable disease. But we've got to remember that it actually happened. The whole miracle happened with a young, seemingly insignificant slave girl in his mm-hmm. home. Yeah. She just made a throwaway, a throwaway remark. Oh, that my master would go to the prophet in Israel. He would heal him. And from that, it led to this man going to Elisha and receiving his miracle. But it was this young girl. We don't even know her name, Phil. But she was the one that was instrumental in this miracle coming about.
0: Mm, It sounds to me like one of those things that we experience in our lives that you could very well just call a coincidence, but probably more like a a God incidence. Yeah.
1: Phil, I don't know if you've heard this story before. It's done the rounds, but I love to tell it. It starts back in 1858. A Sunday school teacher whose name was Mr. Kimball. You've probably never heard of him. He led a Boston shoe clerk to Christ. Now, that clerk was Dwight L. Moody, you know, D. L. Moody. Yeah and of course he became a very famous evangelist and he went across to England in 1879 and his ministry impacted another well-known Christian author, F.B. Mayer, uh, who was a pastor of a small church at that time. And F.B. Mayer went to America to a college campus there and ministered there and a a student by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman, many hearers will know that name too, he came to Christ and uh, Chapman engaged in YMCA work. He employed a former baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday, the evangelist Billy Sunday. And uh, Billy Sunday held a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a group of local men were so enthusiastic afterwards that they planned another evangelistic campaign. And they brought another evangelist called Mordecai Ham to town to preach. And it was during his ministry that a young man named Billy Graham heard the gospel and yielded his life to Christ. Now, we know about Billy Graham, We know D.L. Moody, we know F.B. Mayer, Billy Sunday, and so on. But how many have heard of Mr. Mm. (laughs) Kimball? He got this old ball rolling, Mm. and uh, he was just a humble man uh, back there in Boston that nobody had heard of, you know, and and many people don't know about to this day. It came out of his faithfulness, wasn't it? Yeah, so it's a little bit like, um, uh, was it Peter and Andrew? You know, we all know about Peter, but it was Andrew that brought Peter to the Lord. In fact, Andrew was always bringing people to Christ, but never really a kind of a a strong, you wouldn't think charismatic person, upfront person. He just quietly got on with his job and sowed seeds and
0: did these sort of things, said things and brought people to Jesus. And what came out of that was phenomenal. Mm. Do you think Mr. Kimball in this story, though, was out to try and make things happen or was he just being obedient? He was just available to God. And,
1: And that's why I love that statement of, You know, I'm open for business, God. Every day I'm open for business. We're not trying to set something up. We're not trying to preempt something. We're not trying to make something happen because that's when you get into the flesh. Uh, You get one step ahead of God. But, you know, we're just available to God and the moving of the Holy Spirit, and miracles can take place.
0: But you have to respond, though, when those opportunities come, don't you? Ah, yeah, that's right. You know, we've got to be obedient, and and
1: that sometimes takes courage because, you know, we're putting ourselves on the line, and sometimes we, we can, you know be caught upon to stand up in front of others and speak out, speak the truth, thinking we're going to end up looking silly or get persecuted or whatever. We've got to be obedient when those God moments arrive. Uh, But God will give us the boldness in those times. He will give us the courage through the power of the indwelling spirit.
0: We're on the subject of miracles today and we'll continue our conversation tomorrow. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, shop online at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.